Now, I know what you're all thinking right now. I know exactly what you're all thinking. You're like, is he going to preach a whole message after that? Yep. <laughs> oh, but have no fear. I feel like God's given me a nice, direct, simple message for you this morning. He's put in my heart, and I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, again, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church, along with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve these amazing people. Uh, we want to especially welcome all of you who are here today who have never been here before. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. You're always welcome. And I love that I know many of you are coming from different churches to support family members and friends. I love that. That is so the heart of God, and we are so for that. And we believe that God is moving, and it's not just a, a life church thing, but it's a kingdom thing. God's moving all around the world, and God's moving all throughout White Rock and all throughout this region. And we support you. We're so glad you're here as our extended family today joining us. And we're grateful to have you here with us today. Um, so what are we going to do this morning? We are going to dive into a message that God has given me. And we're in a series right now called Jesus in My Everything. And kind of the big idea behind this, this, this series is, okay, we know that Jesus died and rose again on the cross, uh, died on the cross and rose again on the third day for our sins, and that now he lives in us. But what does that actually mean for our everyday lives? And last week we talked about this idea that Jesus is not just a Sunday Jesus, but he's a Monday Jesus, he's a Tuesday Jesus, he's a Wednesday Jesus, he's a Thursday and a Friday and Saturday Jesus, and he's with you all the time. And what does that actually mean? What does that look like in your life? This morning we're going to start diving into and zooming in on some topics surrounding that idea. And this morning we're going to talk about Jesus in my relationships. Somebody say relationships. Jesus in my relationships. And, and this is a massive topic, but have no fear, because God gave me a very simple thought for you this morning. I'm going to back it up with four points, and then I'm going to let you go, okay? So here we go. Jesus in my relationships. Let's read the scripture that is our foundation for this series, which is Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll also be up on the screen behind me. And it says, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of glory. In the New King James Version, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is our big idea of this series, that Christ dwells in you. So then the question is, so what? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my everyday life? What does that mean, in this case, for my relationships? And now our text today, which we are going to come back around to later, is Mark chapter 12, verse 29. And again, you're welcome to turn there with me as well. Mark 12, 29. And we're going to read Mark 12, 29 through 31. And then uh, I'm going to ask you the big question today. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to unpack this, okay? So here we go. Mark 12, 29. Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. My question for you this morning is, what does it mean to have the resurrected Christ living in me, and how does this truth impact my daily relationships? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. God, we thank you for the baptisms that just occurred, Lord God, and for these, this amazing step of faith 
from these amazing candidates that step forward to declare that they will follow you. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will go before us this morning, Lord God. We pray for this word that's about to come forth, Lord Jesus. God, that you would speak through me, Lord God. We pray that your word would accomplish what it is set up to do. It will not return void. And Father, we pray that you'd help me to get out of the way this morning, Lord God, so that you could work in every single one of us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we believe that you're with us now, and we believe that you're working in us, and we pray that we would leave this place changed by your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, we're talking this morning about relationships, about relationships. And of course, to begin with, we have to define what we mean by relationships. Relationships, of course, are multifaceted. You could have a relationship with your goldfish. You, 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 could, have a, you could have a relationship with a teddy bear. I suppose. You could have a relationship on the computer. You can have relationships in person. You can have marriage relationships. You can have parent relationships. You can have family relationships. There's many different ideas that surround this idea of relationship. But if we're to define the word, the internet defines it as the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected. It's a state of being connected. Very simply, a relationship is a connection. It could happen in a casual way. It could happen in a non-casual way. Relationships could be healthy. Relationships could also be strained. Relationships could be dynamic. They could be fairly static. Relationships could be convenient. Relationships can also be challenging. But there's one thing that most relationships have in common, is that they face challenges. There are times where relationships are not easy. And there are times where relationships are broken. Now here is the amazing thing about our gospel that we preach about Jesus Christ. Is that the gospel that we preach is actually all about relationships. It's actually all about relationships. And what the gospel is about, the message is, this message of restoring the broken relationship. The relationship between man and God. The gospel is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh, lived a perfect life, sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day, and gave us access to the Father. That we could be restored into right relationship with Him. You know, the Bible actually tells us that not only were we separated from God and we were broken in this relationship, but in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. In fact, you were enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result... He has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Isn't that good news? The gospel is the message of a restored relationship. The gospel is the ultimate message of a restoring of a relationship, and that is what our God does. His glory is always seen in restoration. If you're here today and you're saying, I feel broken and I feel separated from God, have no fear. We serve a God who his, his main thing is that he restores and brings back uh, people that are far from God into right relationship with him. And his name is Jesus. 
Amen? Jesus restores the relationship between us and God by himself becoming the access point. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So through Jesus, our relationship with God goes from broken to thriving. Now, relationships, which are connections, have an opportunity to thrive when the roles within the relationship are clearly defined so that the participants are confident in their position. I'm going to say that again because it's kind of a big idea, and we're going to come back to that loop around. So relationships have an opportunity. We're talking about how do we have thriving relationships? How does the, um, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, him giving access to the Father, how does that actually impact my relationships? How does it impact my relationships with my spouse? How does it impact my relationships at work? How does it imp- impact my relationships with my children? How do, does the relationship that I have with Jesus impact all the relationships around me? And I'm making this point, relationships have an opportunity to thrive when the roles within the relationship are clearly defined so that the participants are confident in their position. Again, here's the roles with, with, between us and God. There was a wall that separated us from him. It was called sin. We were enemies of God. And Jesus came and became the access point to the Father. And now, when he's in his rightful place as Lord and Savior in our lives, we have access to the Father. The roles are clearly defined. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Um, When my son was very young, he used to play, well, he still does, he plays soccer. And my son is actually, I'm going to brag a little bit on my boy. He's a pretty stinking good soccer player, if I do say so myself. But when they were really young, I was coaching because they didn't have anybody else, and I volunteered. And I actually don't know really what I'm doing as a, as, a, as a soccer coach, other than I know sport. And so basically I just said, guys, go score a goal. So everybody would get on the field, and it was like herding cats. The ball would go over here, and everybody would be like, you know, kick the ball. And they'd all, they'd all try and do the same thing and try and score a goal. And it was all like basically everybody fighting each other to try and get the ball in the other net. You, you can picture that? But then as they began to grow older, we began to teach them about positions. So we taught them, okay, well, what you're going to do is you're going to stand over here, and you've got to stay in this little area here, and that's your job is to stay right here. Oh, and then your job is going to be over here. You're going to be a striker. Your job is to score goals. So when you get the ball, you go and try and score a goal. And then you're going to stand back here. You're going to play defense. You're going to be in goal. And we started to put positions in place. And then eventually what happened is um, we started rotating through these positions so they got to know the positions. But now as they're maturing and as they're growing, they're starting to settle into a position of strength. And now what we have is we have Josiah Jonathan Jansen as the center midfielder for the Langley Force. And he gets to stand in his position, and I love watching it, because his job, guess what, is not to score all the goals. His job is not to stop the ball when somebody tries to shoot on net. His job is to stand in the middle, and he's the first line of defense when the, when the other team starts to come into their offensive zone. He, he's the first line of defense. And also his job is actually to get the ball and distribute it to his teammates. And because Josiah is confident in his role, in that position, that they are able in this relationship, connection with the team, everybody knows their role, everybody knows what they're supposed to do, they're confident in it, and when they're confident in it, and they're strong in it, guess what? Then they can get the ball down to the other end of the field and score. Because they know their roles, they know their position in the relationship. Do you see that? We also see this in military relationships. 
You know, you have these defined roles. You have the general and you have the, the different levels of authority. And when people know their role and function in it well, they're able to accomplish their mission. We also see this in our families. When you have parents and you have children, when children understand that they need to honor their father and mother, and the parents are in a position of authority, and they know their role, and they function in a way that is uh, confident and, and is sure, and it is in order, then the family has an opportunity to thrive. These relationships that we have, and I'll say this, healthy relationships thrive within perfectly ordered structure. Healthy relationships thrive within perfectly ordered structure. So here's the big question again. How does the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now living in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, how does that impact my relationships? Well, we have an answer here in the book of Mark, and we're going to come back around to this, because this is what he tells us. Jesus answers him. Here's the structure. The first of all commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So, what is the structure for strong relationships that comes out of our relationship with God? The answer is this. It's him first. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the structure. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, in a society that we live in today where maybe many people have taken God out of the equation, this could be part of the reason why we see so many relationships today that are struggling. Is because we've lost the structure that God has designed. Where we put him first. What, is this, what does this actually look like in our lives? What does this look like? When Jesus is in the rightful place in your life, your relationships, here's my big statement, have a better opportunity to thrive. Let me give you an example of this. There was a, a, a how about in, in romantic relationships, in a marriage? There was a movie that came out about now 15, 20 years ago, I don't know. Uh, it, it feels like five, but that's how time goes. And this movie, there's, there's four people standing in an elevator, and two of them are hearing impaired. And so they're standing there, there's two couples, and there's a man and a woman, and there's another man and a woman, these two are hearing impaired, and they start um, signing to each other. And when they finish signing to each other, the, the woman gets this look at her face like, oh. And then you can see them turn to each other, and they embrace, and they kiss in the elevator, and it's really awkward for the other couple. And then they turn, and the elevator opens, door opens, and this, this hearing impaired couple walks off the elevator, kind of looks back, and gives the guy kind of a thumbs up and a nod, and walks off. And the guy's like, what was that all about? And the woman goes, well, my, my aunt is hearing impaired. And, and what she just said, or what he just said is, you complete me. Isn't that nice? Now, I remember the first time I saw that, I wasn't married yet. And I was like, oh! That's what I want. I want to find that person that's going to complete me. But can I tell you something, church? That is an unfair requirement. Because no person can complete you. My beautiful wife, and I could just spend the next 20 minutes like bragging on her, but don't worry, I'm not going to. My beautiful wife is an amazing woman. 
I mean, God has blessed me beyond all blessing. I mean, man, I, it's the grace of God that I get to be married to this amazing woman who serves our family so well and just loves so well, and she's incredible. But guess what? Even her amazingness, she can't complete me. The structure and the order is this. Him first. God completes me. Jesus completes me. He's the one that meets my needs. He's the one that I turn to when I'm struggling. He's the one that I look to as my source of all things. And then guess what? Out of that relationship with God, I get to turn and love my wife the way that the Bible commands me to, which is husbands love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Because I am complete in Jesus, I'm able to love my wife. Because my wife is complete in Jesus, I know that I can't complete her. I know that I can't, you know, I can't do, give her everything that she needs, but he can. And because my wife is complete in Jesus and secure and knows her position in him, she's able to serve me well and serve our family well. Oh, and serve all of you well as well. It's him first. You want to, here's another example of what this looks like. Parents and children. Okay, for parents and children. Listen, there's a, there's, a, there's a commandment in the Bible that Jesus gives to children. It's this, children, honor your father and your mother. Right? You all heard that before? Children, honor your father and your mother. When, when our kids were young, and we still do this with them, um, if our kids would mess up or they would disobey and we had to, to, to deal with it, yeah, we had to deal with it, we would go into their room and I would sit, my beautiful Aubrey, that I just got to baptize this morning. Oh, I, I would sit with my beautiful Breezy and I would say, Breezy, I'd say, honey, who's in charge? And she'd go, you are. No, 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 I'm not in charge. Who's in charge? She'd say, God. I'd say, yes, God is in charge. And you know what God has commanded us to do? He's commanded you to honor your father and mother. So God, who is first in my relationships, he's first. And God says, I'm going to put you in a position of authority as a parent. I'm going to place you in a position of authority. So I'm under, I'm under the authority of the Lord. I'm under his word. I'm under the authority of his word. I'm under the authority of his truth. I'm under the authority of my God. And under that authority, I now have authority. So my kids know that the reason that they need to listen to mom and dad is because we are followers of Jesus. We are under his authority. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The perfectly ordered structure that God has put in place is that he is first. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. I'm going to read this again. When Jesus is in his rightful place in your life, your relationships have a better opportunity to thrive. So if he is your primary relationship, if he is your primary source for all things, the Bible says he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through him. If he is your source, then I'm going to give you four things, and I could probably pick out 30 that we receive from Jesus that gives us the courage and the strength to give them to other people around us, okay? So number one, I'm just, you guys with me? Just so I know, can you all say number one? Thank you. That was very gracious. Okay, here we go. Number one, because I have been forgiven, 
I can forgive others. Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You say, well, how can I forgive that person in my life? How can I, how can I let go of a root of bitterness in my heart towards others around me? When you are so in tune to your relationship with Jesus, then you realize how much you've been forgiven. You suddenly have the power and the strength that you need to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. When you are very aware that your primary relationship is with Jesus Christ, then you are very aware that the only reason that that relationship exists is because of him. Because he has forgiven you of your sins. And there may be many today that you carry. There may be a weight that you carry today. And he is here to meet you. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what our Jesus does. And he is our primary relationship. And when he's our primary relationship, understanding that forgiveness gives us the courage and the strength that we need and the grace we need to forgive others in our lives. Number two, it's going to be quick, I told you. Number two, because I have been restored, I can help restore others. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 is my favorite. And all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself, reconciled us to himself, um, restored us to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So God forgave us. And then he gave us a purpose and a plan. And that is that we have been restored back into right relationship with him. Remember, the gospel is the story of the broken relationship being restored. And God restored us back into right relationship with God, and then he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That means that you have the power to, to go into the world, to preach the gospel, and call people back into right relationship with God. You have the power. Not just me. This isn't just a Matt Jansen show. Praise Jesus for that. It's all of us. God has given us the power. He has reconciled us to himself, brought us back into right relationship with him, and then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Theodore Epp, uh, Bible teacher, back to the Bible, said this, when God forgives, he at once restores. God forgives and restores. Maybe that message is for you today. Maybe you've come in here weighed down by something in your life, something in your conscience, or, uh, or, or, or there's guilt or shame that is weighing you down. His forgiveness is available to you today. And when he forgives, he restores. And church, we need to be a reflection of that to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Number three, because I have been made secure and given a purpose, I can help secure and bring purpose to others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. How about this, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, 
You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Remember that analogy I gave you earlier of a soccer team? Where every player on the team knows their role and they're confident in it. They know that if they do what they're supposed to do, they have a better chance of winning because they're in relationship with other people. When you know your role in Christ, when you know who you are in him, it gives you a confidence and a security to bring confidence and security to people around you. You no longer have to put other people down or compare yourself to somebody on Instagram. You have an opportunity to stand up on your own two feet in Christ, knowing who you are in him, and you can bring life to other people around you. Come on, church. Let's be life, church. Let's bring life to other people around us. If God has given you that gift, then give it to other people. It's not for you. It's for you to pass on to other people. Are you with me? And here's the fourth one, last one. Because... I am fully loved. I can fully love others. First John 4.10. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. 1 John 4.19 goes on to say, we love each other because he first loved us. See, the motive of God to send his son to us, to die on the cross for our sins, is love. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So the big question was at the beginning, what does it mean to have the res resurrected Christ living in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and how does this tr truth impact my daily relationships? And the one answer, of, we could have gone different directions, but the one answer that I felt the Lord laid on my heart today is this. When Jesus is in his rightful place in your life, your relationships have a better opportunity to thrive. When Jesus is in the rightful place in your life, where's the rightful place? First. First. Amen? Amen. Now as we close today, I want to thank you for, for being with us today, and I really feel like the Lord wants to reach some of you today and touch some of you today. And so I'm going to ask you this morning as we close, just to close your eyes for just a moment. And let's just reflect on this word. Let's reflect on his love for us. God demonstrated his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. But we know that he didn't remain in the grave. And that our God rose again on the third day and conquered death. And he made a way for us to have access to the Father where we can come boldly before the throne of grace. 
And so this morning, as we close, first of all, I'm not going to take this for granted. If you're here today and you say, Matt, I feel like I've been far from God. I feel like I have not been putting him first in my relationships and, and I have not been making him the, the preeminent one in my life. Maybe you've put yourself in that position. <laughs> Maybe you've tried to put another person in that position. And you say, I want to make a declaration today that he is first. I just want to give you an opportunity as an act of faith to respond to that this morning. This is a statement to yourself, maybe a statement to those around you. We do have eyes closed right now. And so in that vein, I'm going to have you just wherever you are, if that's you, you say, I just want to make a declaration today, I'm putting Jesus first in my life. If that's you, just put your hand up wherever you are. Thank you. Yeah, just as an act of faith. Sometimes we need to put faith into action. Yeah. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, we thank you that you are with us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We say come. Father, we ask you to come and work in our hearts today. For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. So, Father, today we trust that you're working in us. You're working in our hearts. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that there would be an assurance that would come into each heart in this place, Lord God, knowing that you are there and knowing that you love, forgive, and purpose, and restore. And we pray that you would do a deep work in our hearts today cause us to come into deeper relationship with you, to recognize your presence, and to put you first. Help us to stop relying on our own ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to acknowledge you today and put you first. Father, we love you. We glorify you. We magnify you. And we lift you high and we put you in your rightful place, and we say, you are Lord. Come and do whatever you want to do in our lives. We're yours. We ask these things now in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, church, God is good. If you're here this morning and you need personal prayer, maybe you feel like you've been far from God and, and you want to come back into his presence, you want to have a right relationship with him, we're going to have a prayer team standing by right over here as we're tearing down, and they're going to be here waiting and standing here, powerhouse uh, people of God that will be able to pray with you. Maybe you've got something going on in your life that you need prayer for right now, we're here for you. We're here to care for and bring people to Jesus, and they're going to be here to pray with you today. And also online, we do have an online person that's ready standing by. If you have a prayer request, you're welcome to put it on the chat. And we will have somebody that will be able to pray with you as well. Um, otherwise, we want to thank you for coming this morning to this glorious, significant Sunday. And what a great morning, hey? Amen. And, and we, amen.